Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast and thank you for hitting on the button. Usually, uh, as I do this on the fly, whenever I've got free time outside of my regular job at Sky Sports as a sports broadcaster in the UK, I just do my intro with my guest present alongside me. But I just wanted to do uh, a little bit more detail here because I think it's obviously a sensitive subject. It's related to Holly Gazard, the Holly Gazard Trust. Holly Gazard was murdered in Gloucester in 2014 by an ex-partner and Nick Gazard, who's the guest today, is her father. He's a former Cheltenham Town football player. But what I'm speaking to him today is more the context, the association with the Holly Gazard Trust, which he set up, him and his family have set up in the wake of her murder and um, are going to uh, be associated with the Cheltenham Town Football Club, are associated with the Cheltenham Town Football Club and have a charity match coming up on the 15th of February. But I wanted to give a sort of preamble to that, that Nick had set up the charity. His daughter, Holly, murdered in 2014. Her murderer, ex-boyfriend, who'd previously abused her and had stolen money from her, was sentenced to 24 years in prison in 2014. And that was upheld as well as not excessive for that. Uh, We'll obviously touch on that with Nick. Incredible just to hear his story about how he's mentally, emotionally showed resilience to get over that and to proceed from there. So I just wanted to give a quick introduction here before welcoming Nick to the podcast, out of sync with how I'd usually do. I just introduce someone with a brief CV whilst they're alongside me. Cheers, guys. Hope you enjoy this. Okay, and we are recording. Nick Gazard, welcome. Thank you very much. How, how are you doing? Good to see you. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, good. Um, looking forward to another year. Um, you know, it's nearly six years since Holly was murdered, so every year brings something different. So, yeah, looking forward to this year. Yeah, and it's it's amazing that you are here. How how do you feel now? How do you do? You have to cope with it still on a, on a daily basis, the trauma of it, or is it something that you've you've got better with over the years? It's it's strange, really, because people say time's a healer, and I don't find that. Mm. Um, other people say they want closure. Well, I don't know how you can get closure on something like this. No. So it's it's one of those things that. Um, you do play it day by day um, and you have your, your difficulties, you know. One thing I was reflecting on a while back was I do, I do a lot more reflecting back, thinking about Holly, thinking about what happened and thinking about what we can do. So I think it's made me reflect a lot more than I used to reflect um, mm. and made me a big thinker. Um, but then you've got to turn that thinking into actions because that's the key. And how, but how long, I mean, what was, when you found out the news, what was the... The collateral fallout there in terms of, of, of coming to terms with it and, and thinking of the Holly Gazard Trust and, and starting to be able to translate that, that grief and trauma into, yeah. into pro- proactive. You know, that I can still remember absolutely everything about that evening when, you know, the police came and knocked on the front door and, you know, you, you as a dad as well, it's probably the yeah. worst thing that, as a father, you want to hear, you know, someone to say that your daughter's been killed. Yeah. Uh, and I was on my own, I had to sit down and I had to go to my other daughter's house and I had to try and tell my wife and other daughter that she'd been killed and then go to the hospital. Um, and, and thereafter, you know, when, when you couldn't see your daughter for a couple of days, but then when you did see her in the, in, in the, uh, in, in the morgue, uh, the coroner said, prepare yourself because she's been badly cut around the face and arms where she tried to defend herself. So, you know, what goes through your mind is, is unthinkable. Um, and that's horrendous. Yeah. Absolutely horrendous. And... You know, as as a father, that's probably the worst thing that I have ever had to do and will do. Um, but, you know, soon after that, because of the type of person that Holly was... What were the emotions you, you went through? Was it anger, guilt? It's different. It's tricky to... Um, I'm trying to think of how I would react. And I was saying that almost the guy who committed it was Asher Maslin. It name? was, yes. So, so you think, that, you know, you, you almost wonder if you could control yourself and not, not go after him at that point. I think it's down to the individual, you know, and people say, well, I would have reacted in this way. And I, and I always say, well, you, you never know how you're going to react until you're put in that position. No. And I say that I could only react in the way that I knew. And um, I've never had anger. No, really? Um, Ever? No, I've never had anger thoughts. Frustration. Frustration that Holly's life was lost. Yeah. You know, and she was such a talent but also all the other people that it's affected as well. Frustration that it's it's ruined their lives, you know, family, friends, and also his his family, you know, he's, he's his young brother. 
um, his mum, who Holly was very close with, you know, their lives were ruined as well. So for me, it was more of a, a frustration that it happened and frustration that all these lives now are ruined. But I can't say mm. there was anger. No. There has been anger, and I don't know why. And you didn't retrace things and think, oh, I should have done this. Or oh, yeah, or... absolutely. When you go, when I look back now and you think, you know, uh, knowledge is powerful, isn't it, as we all yeah, know. Yeah. And with what I've, I've learned in the last six years, if I'd had that knowledge then... I firmly believe I could have saved Holly's life because I can think of so many, so many factors, so many um, things that were happening that were in front of my eyes and I didn't pick up on it. And no one did pick up on it because mm. they were very subtle. Yeah. Did she, t- did she tell you things? Or was yeah, she, not- she did, but... Did she th- didn't see the significance She didn't of it. see them either, no. So she didn't know the danger that she was in. Mm. And we didn't pick up on those subtleties. But had we had the knowledge then what we have now, then we would have done. So when you look back, you get frustrated because, you know, as a dad... I could have saved her mm. as a dad. Did I protect her enough? Did I see enough? And there will always be that, you know, did I do enough to protect my daughter? Um, I think at the moment that's always no in my mind. You know, no matter how many people say, it's not your fault, you know, you did all you could. But then you know as a dad as well, it's difficult. You don't want to tell your daughters what to do and, and to involve the, yourself too much in, in their life. It's a, it's a balance, isn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. That word balance is, is really... It's really key because, you know, Holly went to London. She went to train to go on the cruise ship and he enticed her back. Um, she then went back to London because she loved that London lifestyle, fast-paced passion for fashion, <laughs> you know, because she just loved yeah. it up there. But then she's she very was, creative visual. She person, was, yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. And she only came back to, to, to Gloucester because she was physically assaulted by him. So she wanted to come back um, to be in the family, whole, uh, family home again. But um, I think it, it, it's a case where she didn't realise the danger she was in. And she told me certain things now and again. You think, well, that's just a relationship and it's, you know, mm. um, get, just, just get rid of him. And she tried on a number of occasions, but he wouldn't go away. And I even asked her at one stage, you know, do you want me to get involved? She said, no, Dad, it's fine, I can handle it. And I didn't have any reason not to believe her because she was a strong character, mm. strong individual. And whatever she put her mind to, she would really drive through and, and persevere. So I had no real... Um, you know, really sort of young, young people, emotions and hormones run high. You're not, you're never sure whether what is the normal level and what. Of That's kind of right. Attachment. Yeah, you know, she was she was 19, so she's at that age. Um, but you can't tell her too much because you will push her away, mm. and then you might not see her again. Yeah. And so, as you say, there's that balance of bit fatherly advice, bit of listening, and you know, do I weigh it up? When do I talk? When do I? When do I say? When do I tell? Mm. You know, when do I advise? Um, so, yeah, so all that's been going through in my mind on a constant basis ever since she was murdered. How how important was it that your presence of, of what she was like and what she would have wanted, how much of that was a guiding light to you through those, those moments in terms of how you should behave and what you should do after she was murdered? Did you, did you feel you wanted to sort of do the right thing in her mind, what she would have wanted? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I, you know, I was very close to Holly um, and I know what she wanted to do, what she wanted to get out of her life, um, both in personal and in business, very business driven. Um, and I knew that actually she would have wanted me to be her voice going forward now. Mm. So I've got to try and put myself in her shoes and drive it forward with a smile on my face because that's what she had. Yeah. So whatever I do, I try to do it with a smile on my face. Sometimes that's really difficult. But I think that's what she would have wanted. Yeah. And do you feel, you, there's always this thing, at any f- funeral, I suppose, we feel duty-bound to, for a moment to enjoy life as well, don't we? I think that's the realisation when someone's so young and goes that it, it even brings it home even more so that actually this isn't, you know, forever. You, you have to enjoy it when you're here. Yeah, and, and you know, strange thing, and I, I don't tell many people this, but at Hollis funeral, I enjoyed it. Yeah. In a, in a way, because it was a celebration of her life. Yeah. And I'm always thankful for... The very fact that we had 20 great years with her. Yeah. And that's more than a lot of people can say about their relationship. And in fact, it's more than some people can say in a whole lifetime. So mm. I think we had 20 great years with Holly, thankful for that. And now I want to really push on and, and do what she was put here to do So in her name. And it's great that she was happy because, as I said to you before as well, that my only sense of, of genuine empathy, obviously, as a father, is that the fear that I had since my little girl was born of something like this happening or not being able to protect her. But I think was my best friend dying, Alex, when I was 21, so a very similar age to Holly, and he died in a car accident. I remember that this was up in Malvern. We were from Malvern, so was, he lived in a village called Poick outside Worcester, and big outpouring of people in the local community, all of us were there, and it, that it was always very strange was that he was that gregarious outgoing guy who never seemed to have a worry in the world and actually seemed very inspirational 
So there was something we could take from it. But so hang on a minute, this has happened to him and he didn't worry about things and actually enjoyed life. And whereas if it happened to some of us who'd been stressing about all our exams or whatever and wasted time fearing about yeah. the future and what we're yeah. going to do for our careers and stuff, it's, it, was, it, was quite, it was quite inspiring in that sense. And my wife, who, who left earlier, Carla, she, when she was, we were 28, 29 and living in London, one of her colleagues, an Australian chap, again, vivacious, played all the sport in the world, very outgoing, very effervescent. He, he died of stomach cancer when, we, when he was 29, 30. And you just thought... You know, you have to take lessons from it, don't you? You do, you do. And, I, and every day I think about Holly and I think, I'm so thankful for what we had with her, but actually there's a lot of unfinished business yeah. there. So actually, can I carry on her name and can we help prevent other things happening to other people as much as you can um, and, and try and get people to learn the lessons that Holly went through uh, and try and stop them going through those those particular issues. And because you didn't, you weren't privy to all the information of how it was playing out in this relationship, if you had to sort of do detective work to examine the stages retrospectively? Well, we, we have, yes. But <laughs> when, when you look at it, um, it it's, it's, <coughs> it's a case where there's patterns. Mm. And Holly wasn't unique in that pattern. Because when you look at other people who have been killed, uh, other people who have been abused, the patterns are the same. Yeah. So it, it's not rocket science to understand <coughs> it because... There is those patterns. Is it the pattern of a young man and a young woman, or is it a pattern that crosses other? Can be, can be anything. Yeah, it can be anything, and 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 that's why it's so important we get across communities because it can be young, old, can be black, white, can be rich, can be poor. You know, yeah. we live in the Cotswolds, and I was mm. with Cotswold District Council yesterday trying to, uh, and we're going to par- partner with them over the coming year for the Cotswolds area because a lot of people in the Cotswolds think, well, it's not going to happen to me. Mm. Uh, not rich people in there, it's not going to happen to me. Yeah, a lot of isolated people in the Cotswolds, a lot of lone workers. That can be stalked, can be yeah. abused. It does happen um, more in... I lived in London and someone stabbed on our doorstep in Pimlico when we moved in it. And, and I know I've got friends in Brixton and places like that where it is more common. We There is a sort of an arrogance, isn't there, sometimes yeah. around yeah. it in this this part of the world. Yeah, and we've got to try and break down those barriers and, and try and educate people, particularly younger, the younger age groups, that it could happen to anyone. You know, mm. Holly didn't choose it to happen to her. Um, we didn't choose it to happen to her and we didn't expect it to happen to her, but it did. And that's what I will say to people. It did happen. It happened on our doorstep and it could happen on anyone's doorstep. So mm. you don't know when it's going to happen because you don't choose it. No. With the, with the context of a young girl and a young boy, what, were the, what are the warning signs that we should look, what I should look out for? Hopefully in a, quite a few years' time with my, my five-year-old girl if she's in, in a relationship <laughs> and trying to get, get me to keep out of, her, out of her business. Yeah, well, it's the same as me. I've got two granddaughters. One's eight, one's three. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you, you can see these things. You know, there are, there are lots of indicators, very small indicators, such as constant telephone calls, constant texting, you know. And we know, we know youngsters do constant texting these days, but when it becomes unwanted, when it becomes too much, mm. when the, the individual that's receiving doesn't want it and when they become fearful, that's when you start to look at, you know, is this relationship right? Yeah. You know, is, is it one person trying to have a... a a coercive control over another person or is it a mutual relationship you know mm. we know some relationships there they're quite fiery Just loved up, yeah people are loved but, up yeah yeah and, and that might that might be normal for that relationship yeah. um as long as it's not abusive you know there's nothing wrong with people arguing mm. you know because we've all have a good argument <laughs> now and again you know what's funny is my father-in-law is um used to be in the police so we've got all police checked before it, it, we didn't know about it but later it came out that he police checked us all yeah. and stuff like yeah. that because that was his way of surreptitiously finding out whether we had a a record or a past experience but so you don't because you don't know do you but then you can't really snoop as easily on your boy no and of girlfriend's course, boyfriend yeah with social media these days you know we're constantly being contacted we're constantly in the in, in the public eye everywhere yes yeah. and you know when they do a lot of work on stalking now you can be stalked from anywhere in the world with, mm. with one of these devices um so it is frightening sometimes but i think it's you've got to you've got to pay close pay close attention to the relationship that your your um brothers and sisters or your, your daughters and sons are having, um, just to make sure they're happy ones, you know. And we do a lot of work around healthy relationships in schools to try and get people to understand what is healthy, what's mm. not, what is respect. So preempting not. it sometimes with your yeah. kids is probably a better way of, Absolutely. of approaching it. So they are, they're aware of a sort of alarm yeah. bells. And also they can start to then say, well, if it is going down the wrong route, I can identify it quickly. And if mm. I can identify it quickly, I can then seek the right help. And I can extract myself safely. And that, that's the key, really. Because it could um, be sort of bullying, couldn't it, as well, that could culminate in something like this, potentially yeah. boy on boy or girl on girl or whatever. Absolutely. Uh, you know, what we, 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 term, we term it coercive control, which is, mm. you know, it encompasses psychological, emotional, um, economic, which is financial, 
plus also the physical and the sexual. So mm. there's all sorts of um, controlling elements that one person might use on another person. And that might be a build-up over time. You know, we talk about grooming. Mm. Um, and actually, within abusive relationships, people get groomed. Yeah, like a um, Stockholm Syndrome, is it? You get used to, yeah. to being treated badly yeah. and yeah. just being a norm. Yeah. yeah, and what happens is you get treated badly, 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 and you get treated well, and you remember that. Uh, and you get treated badly, 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 treated yeah. well. You know? oh, so it's not really them, they're just in a bad mood or there's something going on that actually they're really nice underneath. And... Absolutely, because, yeah, he is nice because, or she is nice because, look, she's done that. Mm. And, like, yeah, it's, he, he only does it because he's stressed. Yeah. He's had a drink, you know, that's not the excuses. No. So, yeah, so it, there, there's some very, very psychological um, grooming that goes on. Uh, th- and these people are quite clever in the way they do it. Do you think this young man was, was mentally ill? No, 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 and and when we have the when we have the um the original court cases, he had two psycho psychiatric assessments, and both of them came back saying there's nothing wrong with him. Really? Yeah, because he pleaded. Um, how could I mean, it makes you wonder how he could do a, you know a vicious knife stabbing if he if he wasn't? Well, it it had previous, mm. um, and this is what shocks a lot of people. He'd been arrested twenty three times in the previous six years with escalating violence. Wow. He was on bail for. Taking taking um, a car without consent, driving without a license, driving while drunk, uh, driving on drugs, and GBH when he killed Holly. He'd had two previous girlfriends, both of them he put in hospital. One of them he poured petrol through their door. But what was his upbringing like? Was it fairly stable or um, no, no? And I think that was a lot to do with it in his sense because mum and dad split. Dad mm. was a bit of a career criminal. Mum was abused. Okay. Um, I think he'd abused mum as well. He was in, in and out of social services, so he was a bit uncontrolled. So there's a lot of hurt issues. in the background, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of issues that he had. And, and I always say, you know, I don't feel sorry for him because, you know, of what he did. But one thing I say is that he was failed by society because mm. he didn't get the right kind of help yeah. when he was younger. Yeah. And that probably put him on this path of destruction. Well, the reason, the reason I ask about the mental health thing is because of my work and around the, everywhere, and I, I'm ambassador for the Cheltenham Wellbeing Festival and hosted events last year at the inaugural festival, and we talk about mental health, and sometimes, you know, I wonder if my granddad's generation, well, they're in the Second World War and they didn't complain about mental health, why are we? But then the stats actually show that young men in particular are com- attempting suicide and, and things like that. So I wonder where it comes from, but this is the flip side of mental health, is we should be compassionate to people, but also you, maybe wary of, of people who might be violent or dangerous yeah no i think there is a difference as well Mm. you know i'm a mental health first aider and i've done a lot of mental health first aid training and i'm I'm one of the mental health champions in my business at work um but you've got to look behind that sometimes in terms of will people some people will use that as a reason yeah um and actually that's not the reason no the reasons are far more in depth than that what causes that mental health is the issue yeah um not the mental health itself so people like maslin uh, he, he he had no mental health issues. Um, he knew exactly what he was doing all the time. Do you think he was a pre, was it a premeditated murder then? Do you think? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We we know we know that he he'd sold um, a DVD player for five pounds in cash converters. He went to Wilkinson's and bought a kitchen knife, and then he was walking up and down Gloucester because we have him on CCTV. Because he needed five. He didn't have five pounds to his name. He needed no. five pounds. Um, it, we had him on CCTV for three hours, walking around Gloucester, just waiting because he knew the salon. At 10 to 6 at night on a Tuesday would be pretty empty. So he was biding his time. Jeez. Uh, and then he went in, obviously, and, and did what he did. And it was a possessive thing that he felt that she'd escaped from him. That... Yeah, he'd, with, with people like Maslin, who are very much um, control freaks, if you want to put it that way, as soon as someone steps outside of that line where they then lose control, they then have to resort to something different. Yeah, you know, and he'd lost the control of Holly because she didn't want to be with him anymore. Mm. So the ultimate act then is for him to get that power back, and the only way he could do that was to end her life. It's, it's incredible to try and get your head around it. He had no aware that clarity of thought didn't extend to the clarity of thought. This will ruin my life, and don't I think so. No, because he'd done that on previous occasions with previous. He got girlfriends. away with it to a certain yeah. extent, and, back, and yeah. I think he's you know we talk about spectrums, and I think he was on that spectrum of destruction. Mm. You know, and each time, with with the you know being arrested twenty three times in those previous six years, every time was increasing in violence. Mm. So he was getting worse and worse, uh, and at some stage he was going to self destruct or self destruct yeah. or destruct someone else. And obviously it was Holly, but he's lost his own life now, really, in mm. the sense of he's in prison now for another, well, 
minimum of 24 years so yeah so you've got another to be getting on for 50 by the time it'd be my age when he comes out yeah and i would say you know he can have his life again i can't no no yeah that's a life sentence for you and your wife and your your other daughter as well yeah yeah and she struggles really struggles yeah how does she how has it been with her has it affected her in terms of being able to have relationships with men yeah because she's got two daughters and she's got um partners that she was with when holly was killed and it's very supportive and he struggles as well sometimes because you know You can't, you can't explain to someone how this affects you, it, but it does. It affects you enormously every single day. And it might be something you, you read, you hear, you smell, you taste, mm. that brings that back. And those flashbacks, you know. She suffers from PTSD, as does my wife. You know, she, she has uh, her own mental health issues. Yeah, um, of course. As does my wife. So, you know, it's, it's a, a complete cocktail of... Have you been able to manage manage your health? Because it's interesting that, that my friend's parents, not interesting, it, it, it's saddening in a way that particularly the mum, and the dad actually has, has lost his eyesight. That was partly to do with the car accident he'd had years before, but there's, um, there's, they seem to have grown old before their time in a sense physically. They're very, you know, the, the mother's had a lot of debilitating conditions in her early 60s that you would have expected maybe later. Have you been aware of that, having to look after yourself? and because sometimes the emotional yeah. impact can, can affect your physical health can't it it can do and I, I'm always I'm always wary of that I'm always aware of my physical health mental health um, because of the, the area that I work in as well um, but I, I think you know um, I'm okay yeah I'm okay uh, you've got purpose I suppose yeah and I think it's having that vision having that focus having that purpose of, of, of doing something good uh, and that's why I've got to keep going because actually I've got to keep driving forward mm. um, perhaps that's my way of grieving yeah who knows? Because we don't know. Um, perhaps my way of grieving is actually delivering things and helping other people, uh, inspiring other people, preventing these things happening to other people. But I actually enjoy what I do. Yeah. Because I enjoy the outcome, which is actually saving people's lives. And we get lots of feedback that, you know, people say through Hollyguard, our personal safety app or whatever, that actually Holly saved my life. Yeah. And they give us examples. We never publicise those because it's... So you know for a fact that she's helped absolutely. save people, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, because we have that feedback. That must be tremendously... Is that a special moment that you share with, with your wife, Mandy, when that... It, it is, yeah, and, and the people that we work very closely with. And I had one uh, only on, on Monday, you yeah. know, that, that came to me and said, your Holy God app saved my life. And she gave me exactly how it did. And I'm thinking, that's another one you saved, Holly. Well done. Wow, it's yeah. amazing. You mentioned the, 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 the lad, Asher Maslin, that... It, that his had a younger brother. Were you aware of the, any tendencies in the younger brother? Was he a completely different individual? Yeah, I didn't know him. Um, Holly got on well with him, and he seemed to be very, very different. Yeah. Very different. So it's not a, a genetic thing per se? It's, I don't think so. No. No, I don't think so. I think you, you choose the behaviour that you exhibit. Yeah. And I think he chose that behaviour. Yeah, there is a responsibility in the cat. That's a difficult thing with a mental health discussion as well, isn't it? Lots of things, like you say, that people... Sometimes in the, in the society now, because we're trying to be sympathetic and empathetic and have compassion, sometimes it almost can be used as an excuse for, for knowingly doing things that you know aren't, aren't right. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I don't think he had any excuses at all because he'd done it time after time after time. So it wasn't a one-off. You know, it wasn't some time he snapped or whatever. You know, it was a case of, actually, I've done this for two other people. Yeah. Um, I'm a control person. Uh, and if you don't behave and if you don't abide by my rules, then I'm going to do something to you. Do you think, because you mentioned Holly being a gregarious, kind, outgoing sort of person, obviously had a lot of time, people had a lot of time for this guy in a sense, despite trying circumstances. Are you, do you think that we have to be more careful about those type of people because they're in a sense more likely to become a victim because they put up with more at the start maybe, they're more sympathetic? Yeah, I think it's very, that's a very, very difficult question really because you know, in, in, in doing what I've been doing over the last six years and you meet a lot of people, a lot of people who have, have been abused Mm. And they're incredibly strong people. Yeah. Um, perhaps... They want to help people as well, potentially. Yeah, perhaps sometimes too strong for their own good because they think they can handle it and they mm. can drive through. But actually, um, these perpetrators, they're very clever and very manipulative and a lot stronger sometimes. Um, and, and yeah, I've met a lot of strong people, Holly being one of those. And it's, it's a difficult one because you want them to, to, to flourish on their own. But sometimes you can be the 
not the author of your own misfortune, but because of the way you are, you can, you probably don't help yourself because yeah. uh, you try and handle it yourself. Yeah. Uh, and you believe you can change that person, but actually you can't. And it's difficult as parents, isn't it? Because you give your, you want to give your kids the nicest, safest upbringing where they don't necessarily get exposed. My daughter doesn't even like watching Disney films because they're, you know, generally the parents disappear or something in them. She just, she finds them traumatic. But so we try and keep her away from that. She's only five, but then you think there are discussions you have to have about the potential for other people not to be nice and, and to be aware of, of that. It's a difficult one. You don't yeah. want to scare them about the world that's out there. No, but... no. And I, and I think, you know, with Holly, Holly was very streetwise. Mm. You know, she, she, she wasn't a girl who sat in the corner in her bedroom most of the day. She was very streetwise. Yeah. You know, and having lived in London, loving that lifestyle, she could look after herself and handle herself. Mm. So she, it wasn't that she was someone that was quite shy and no. timid. And, you know. and she just got connected to a person through a series of events, like yeah. you say. It wasn't straight up. It didn't present this character and I think because of her very very because of her her character and her style she was attractive mm. to lots of people yeah because she was outgoing funny you know smiley beautiful yeah uh, and so she was a an attractive person and a bit of sense. a trophy in that sense for yeah her, no, absolutely you, yeah yeah no absolutely uh, and I think you know bang then those people latch on yes and then they get the claws in and then they and they won't let go and it's too good then to let go yeah and sometimes you just, I mean, that's another thing is you can't fix people and sometimes you have to walk away, isn't it? And that you have to be aware that people are potentially dangerous. There's another story, my wife around here had a studio flat and a, a guy below her had asked her for a date and he, she said no. And he then reported her saying she was abusing him through the floorboards, like screaming at him, abuse. So she came and got arrested and I had the background of the police and my dad phoned up, my father-in-law, sorry, phoned up and clarified matters. And actually police were in her flat when he rang up at the time, said she's doing it now, and they said, "Well, she's not because we're in the." In, yeah. and it, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but he was just obviously living a normal life, but clearly psychologically not. Yeah, not and, there. and you, you know, um, with psychology, um, with physical stuff, you can see it. You yeah, know? with the psychology stuff, you can't see it, so you don't know how a person thinks. Yeah, you don't know how they're going to react with what you're going to say, mm. and you know, in this day and age, people react in some really strange ways. Really strange. What do you think about young men? Because we'll talk about you being a footballer for Cheltenham Town as well at, at some point. And I played a lot of sport as a youngster. I was occupied pretty much doing that all week and, and weekends. Had little time for actually girls until my, my 20s in terms of relationships. But it's... And I just wonder how important it is for, for men to have a focus because I know that anyone can commit any act. But then you look at the statistics, you think young men in particular are, are committing and being victims of a, of a lot of crime, aren't they? They are. And I think what we've got to, to, to be very careful of is that we don't stigmatise young men. Mm. Uh, because, you know, there are lots of very, very good young men out there. Mm. Um, and we, we can't tarnish everyone with that same brush and think of everyone the same way, you know. And, and that's why I want to work with young people because we've got to get them on straight and narrow and make sure that they, they, they go that way. There's a lot of pressure on young men these days mm. yeah a lot of pressure on girls as well a lot of peer pressure you know particularly with social media um so we've got to be very careful that we don't push them into corners um, do you think do you think sport helps potentially for young yeah, men because yeah. you, you played sport and we, i know i'm a football advocate but also i've looked at some of the numbers in boxing where the boxing schools open up in parts of london which have had lots of crime and the crime figures go down i, I think sport is a, is fantastic i've been involved in sport all my life and mm. particularly team sport you know, yeah. when you get involved in team sport and you get people around you, then I think it's great. But what we do need is those role models that those young boys can actually learn from. Yeah. And we've got to make sure those role models can actually um, pass on that learning in the right way and they can identify when it is going wrong or when a young boy is going wrong or a group of boys are doing the wrong thing. And then actually what do you do about it and how do you do it in a safe way? Yeah. Uh, and, and as you know, we've done some work with X University on this and we've got some good projects that we're launching which actually covers this particular area. Yeah, and if you're a young man who has possessive thoughts, be aware of that yourself and then how to, to speak to someone about it. And maybe you distance yourself from that situation. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and we, you, people pass around phones and, you know, um, you know we've got, we got the laws of upskirting and things like that, yeah. you know, which people think is laugh. Yeah. And, and young boys keep, think it's funny. Actually, it's a criminal offence. Yeah. And what are you doing to the victim? Yeah. You know, and, and we've got to get them to understand that. Um, you know, it's, it's not a laugh. It's not funny. If you were on the receiving end of that, how would you feel? If your sister, or your relative, yeah, your sister was on the end of that, how would you feel? Mm. And that's one of the ways that I try and approach this. You know, don't think about yourself. Think about your family. Mm. So, if you had a daughter or you had a sister that this was happening to, how would you feel? What would you do? You wouldn't like it, mm. and you react. So, why would you do it yourself? 
yeah. and try and get that across to them. And then we try and teach role models how to how to identify and how then to intervene in the right way and give that right message and the right coaching, the right guidance across so that we can bring these young males up in the right way. Is it, is it, yeah, bringing them up is key, isn't it? It's interesting because there's some research done in the United States because there's some stigma, stigma around certain groups, like people had alleged that, that young black Americans are more susceptible to crime. But actually, when they looked at it, the only correlation they have was a lack of a mentor and a father figure growing up was a was a correlation to yep. you getting involved in crime and trouble later on it's absolutely it, right yeah and you know the, you know the statistics came out today on on knife crime being the it's the highest ever yeah and one of the things that we're doing in gloucestershire have been involved in a, a violence prevention scheme we're looking at let's go back one stage further why are these people carrying knives why do they feel the need and look at the reasons behind that you know mm. is it that they've had no parental control is it that they're single parent you know what is the reason mm. and if we can find out the reason then we can tackle we can tackle those issues and not just actually blame all young people for carrying knives yeah um, because that's not the case no you think mentors are important i remember my dad was a was a strong mentor but my granddad actually my mum's dad was kind of if you flew off the handles a kid and you ran upstairs in a huff from your mum he'd always come up and have a chat to you and i think having that sort of calming influence but a man who sort of maybe understood what it was like to be a young boy it was it was important wasn't it because yeah. articulate certain messages to you i think so yeah and particularly when you we talk about sport when you get people in the sporting arena they look up to those individuals mm. and if those individuals then can can mirror that back and 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 guide them in the right direction then i think we're going to have a society of young males that are actually moving in the right direction yeah there's a key to respecting women because you say the danger is sometimes when you get in a group of men is you start to objectify women, don't you? You do. Forget yeah. they're human beings. Yeah, and they're sexual objects as well. Mm. Uh, and you, their objectification of women is, is a, a big issue that we have. Yeah. Uh, we treat them like an object, not like a person. Uh, and that's really crucial. What, what are the key things that the app, because you get an app, the Holly Gazard Trust app, don't you? Is yeah, that, Holly Gazard app, yeah. And yeah. that just sequences what behaviour to look out for or what behaviour no, what, what, to, what, what, no, to what do? No, what the app does is it, it's, it's, it's a personal safety app. So um, it gives you the facility to, to make contact or let someone know when you're in danger. So let's say, for example, um, my other daughter had the app on her phone and she put me down as her, her, her contact if she was in danger at any stage, all she'd need to do was to shake the phone and it would send me a message oh, wow. to say that I'm potentially in trouble. You don't have to type a message, it can no, just no. do it that way. But what it also does at the same time, it starts to record voice and video. So we've got evidence as well. And there's lots of functionality around the app. And you know, we, we give it away free. It does that without you opening the app? Uh, you, 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 the app, you can open it and it runs in the background. Oh, so you do it all the time. Yeah. Anytime you might predict yeah. a situation. Yeah, so, so for example, if, you, if you're walking out of the house now, mm. click on the app, let it run in the background. And if you get in danger, you can either double tap it or shake it. Yeah. I suppose um, it could be used for anyone, couldn't it, if yeah. any situation There's a lot. You know, a lady wrote to us the other day and said, fantastic app, I'm going to use it. You know, I'm a mum, I'm a young mum, but I'm a disabled young mum, and I, I've, I forget things now and again, I get confused. So when I get confused now, I'll just tap my app, <laughs> and it will send to my husband, and he know exactly where I are, because it, it will record voice and video. Great. He can see what's happening, yeah. and it gives him the coordinates. So Actually, you thinking about young, young boys who maybe fear victims of being in gang crime or sort of being victim to gangs, they can yeah. have that. And, and, and I, I, I heard someone the other day that um, he was on his bike and uh, some other guys, young, older boys, rode up and said, can we have your bike? And he went, no, yeah. and he shook his phone. Really? And he said, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm just gone for my dad. Yeah. And then they rode off. <laughs> so it can act as a deterrent. Yeah, well, once that becomes aware that to people who might perpetrate it, they're aware that that's their thing, they'll be le- less inclined to, to try yeah. and cause yeah. cause trouble. Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. What, the yeah. Over, what, what are the overarching sort of messages, you think, for, for maybe young girls who have been in Holly's situation, if anyone listens or anyone knows a sort of a teenage girl, a 19, 20-year-old, what to, I think, what to be aware um, of? I think it's a case of enjoy life. Mm. Um, if you're in a relationship um, and that relationship... You've got, you've got a concern or you're unhappy or there are things that you think are wrong, talk to someone. Mm. Talk to um, dad, mum, friend, um, one of the services, because every county has a service uh, which is commissioned by the council. You know, Within Gloucester, we have Gloucester Domestic Abuse Support Service. There's national lines. Um, talk to someone because it might be that there is an issue you know and i'll give you an example of that you know last year during national stalking we 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 took the bus around gloucestershire uh, and we we had the bus and people came in and the first thing that everyone said was i don't think this is a problem but yeah and when they explained it to you we were saying you are being stalked so you have to trust your instincts as well yeah absolutely so your gut feeling 
more often than not, yeah. is correct. Yeah. Um, and in every one of those cases, they were being stalked, but they, I think they they thought about it, but they were probably hoping it wasn't true. Yes. Um, but I think, you know, with young girls, if, if, it, if it doesn't feel right, then it's probably not right. Mm. And seek advice. It feels unnatural, though. Absolutely. You know, if you're getting too many telephone calls that are unwanted, too many texts that are unwanted, the person won't leave you alone, you know, then that's unhealthy. Mm. And it's interesting being a, being a man who, who, you know, hopefully does respect women. I've got a wife and daughter, but knowing what other men feel as well as the sensitive issues that I can see will come up in time with my daughter about what she wears, where she goes, what time she goes out, where she goes to. Because in a sense, there's always the, the feminist argument is women should be able to do what they want when they want, which obviously they can in a, in a perfect world. Absolutely, yeah. But then you also have to be savvy, like you're saying, to the potential for, for some men to, to not be respectful, not to be conditioned. So actually going to people's houses late at night or wearing certain clothes in certain situations might lead you to danger as well. Yeah. It's that balance between the two, isn't it? It is, yeah. And, I, and I'm, I'm a big advocate of women doing what they, they should be doing. Mm. You know, I say to Holly, dress how you want to dress. It's your, it's, it's, you, you are that person. So yeah. you, should, you should be making those decisions. But just be aware that there are other people around that might take offence to that. Other people that might actually attract yeah. that have got um, intentions of harming you. Um, so just be aware that the world is not a nice place sometimes. Yes. And if you have that awareness around you, uh, then if something does happen or you think something's going to happen, get to a place where you're in a public place. Talk to someone, phone someone, you know, it's latch on to someone. It's interesting when you hear people that have been either SAS or survival experts, they talk about when they go to restaurants, they sit with their back to the wall and they're aware of things, they look around. I think that's an important message, isn't it, for youngsters, particularly now with mobile phones, is that... You don't want to be engrossed in that the whole time. You know, how important is it to be aware of if your environment when you're, when you're around? And not obviously this isn't about relationships you're, you're building, but potentially in a situation if you're out late at night, not to be too drunk, not to be too yeah. engrossed in your phone or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. And look at your, your settings on your phone. You know, do you want to know where everyone know where you are every minute of the day because you've got your phone settings on? Mm. Where yeah. it tells you that. Yeah. You know, don't do it. Oh, we see. Oh, you mean social media, so that yeah. people can follow you, effectively. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they they know. You know, a lot of stalking happens because people have their settings on the phone, the location settings on all the time, so they can just follow them. Really, they know where they are. So they do that to the social media apps, do they? Yeah. yeah. So it says so and so checked in here yeah. at Facebook. Yeah. Cheltenham. Or... Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. You know, I'm at such and such restaurant. You're telling people that might be a danger to you. Mm. You know, so I think it's that balance. You got, you got to, you know, we don't want to scare people, but actually we've got to make people aware. It's also a different world, isn't it? I mean, Holly was one of the first people to be in this this generation of yeah. that ability to to trace people so easily. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you go back to my days when we didn't have mobile phones; it wasn't an issue. Mm. But now there's that added complication in there whereby people can know where you are. One minute, you know, yeah. when we talk about Snapchat, when when they when they brought the the new version out, and you know. They didn't tell you that, but when you set it up, everyone knew where everyone else was. Yeah. Unless you put it into ghost mode. Yeah. You know. And it's it's difficult with the the, the the ability, and you're obviously in that that sphere now because you're looking to get a message out. But you do get, you know, I get messages from people I want to try and help out, but you end up, you know, <laughs> actually funny enough, it's usually blokes with me, but like people who want to establish a relationship with you who you don't necessarily know, and you're trying to be friendly with them. But you, there is a line now that you didn't have to worry about in the past. But now, no, you didn't. It's, no, it's tricky. And, and, and I've been caught on that front over the past six years. You know, believe it or not, you know, I've been mm. trolled. I've been, I've been um, hacked. I've been abused. Mm. You know, all those things online. Yeah. Um, because people want to get close to you, and they want they want to get close to you, and um, some people are sort of grief and, hunters. Aren't yeah, they? and they try yeah. and befriend you. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got to you've got to try and. We sort the wee from the chap on that front yeah. and say, actually, no. And I get loads of Facebook requests to be friends and yeah. I decline. Yeah. Loads of other requests to be friends and we, you, I decline because you know, you've got to know who you're actually befriending. Yes. So I look at who they are. Are they friends of my friends yeah. you know, or my acquaintances? And then if not... Yeah. Again, I probably have it light compared to a lot of my female colleagues that you know tend to be sort of attractive women at Sky Sports who get outlandish messages and outrageous messages from some blokes who also got on their social media handle proud proud husband and father and they're sending this stuff in the public domain. You're like, you know, horrific. Sort yeah, of and, of... and one of the things that we do is a lot around stalking, you know, um, and particularly around celebrity stalking. You know, there's mm. a lot of celebrity stalking that goes on online. You know, Alex Level being presented with Annette Points West. She's an ambassador of ours now for the app because she used it a lot. Yeah, um, did she? Uh, yeah, when she was being stalked. Um, so she, 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 she fully believes in the app and helps us now. Um, but when you're in that public eye, 
people are there to shoot you down mm. or people are there to, to latch onto you or they want to befriend you they want you know they want you know, for all sorts of reasons so you have to be careful and one of the things that we want to to try and get the message across with celebrities is that there's some there is something you can do mm. you know there's apps out there are app out there that can help you yeah but be aware and be aware of what information you're giving away as well isn't it I absolutely think that's the key. yeah yeah, yeah and aware of that you know always aware of that with uh, with family as well yeah. it's um it's I, I always ask people because the podcast is called sport and life so my sort of thesis when i started it was just having informal conversations with people on the fly about how sport informed their life maybe not always sports people but how it prepared them for things taught them character traits whatever it might be and i suppose it seems ridiculous to ask you because this is a sort of unprecedented enormous thing but is there anything that you learned from from playing sport resilience that helped you at all in this process or how do you yeah I, can you draw any connections between it i think when, when you do play sport um I always felt that, particularly in team sport, you act as a big family. Mm. Uh, and, you know, and I'm back with Cheltenham now, and we're at their charity of the year, and you feel that family connection again. Uh, but you can always call upon people that you meet through sport. You know, and, and I'm still in contact with people now, and and, and I've gone to people to you know that I've made I've made connections with through sport, and started talking to them about things. Yeah, uh, because you do make lifelong friends in sport. Um, and, and I think it does help you in that in that respect because you are of like mind. I think it's important when we talked about young men, but just it is a social outlet for people now. And even when I go down to Cheltenham Town, and as you say, you're their official charity for the, for the year, which is great. But you you get people are out in the fresh air and they're socialising, they're meeting people, they've got a connection with the the fandom. You think, which is why I think actually people call you a granddad, but why regular sports still better than esports because esports is at home in your bedroom. You know? yeah. it's a different, oh, absolutely, yeah. A different quality. You know, I've been to a lot of games this year down at, down at uh, Cheltenham, and I love the football there. I love the atmosphere. It's yeah. fantastic. In fact, my wife now comes, and she she never went to sport before. Really, but she likes coming to the football now. Yeah, and I think it's because that atmosphere, and you do get that atmosphere yeah. of, of friendship. You know, and with young boys in particular, I think it's a great area that we can actually capitalize on teaching them the right things yep growing up in the right way we don't know what their backgrounds are like and you know there's a lot of pressure on backgrounds for people these days particularly finances but actually there's a golden opportunity for sports clubs particularly professional clubs to teach those individuals the right things Mm. you also put time and energy into a sort of a useful outlet don't you which i think sometimes young men who are brimming with testosterone and kicking their heels is not always a healthy recipe no absolutely right yeah and you can channel that as well Mm. channel that quite well you know, I love playing football and I love that camaraderie. Do you still play? No. Five no. side or anything though? No. Yeah, I do a little bit of walking football actually. Do you? Yeah, How's that was that? good. That was good. Yeah, really, really good. I think because I love five yeah. side and I'm thinking that obviously when yeah. I'm older that would be the next step to make and I think yeah. it's, it would be great. Is it, is it, is it, is it difficult good. to not run in that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, even though you can't run very far, yeah. it's difficult not to run but it... Um, I I I've thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I find that foot still playing five aside football is a great way to, you know, people talk about meditations. For me, it is a way of switching off because you're immersed in it, aren't you? You do. Yeah, and and you think about what you're doing there and then, uh, yeah. and it takes you away from those other painful areas that you have to cope with on a daily basis. Mm. Uh, and it's a good opportunity just to let off some steam with some friends. Do you play walking football in Gloucester? Uh, in Quedgley, yeah, in, Gloucester, in wow. Gloucester. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Great. So it'd be interesting for people to, to look that up. And how have you found being reconnected with Cheltenham Town? Oh, great. Fantastic. Um, I, I, I fell out of love with football for a while. Did you? Uh, and I, I'm, In fact, I'm a season ticket at Gloucester Rugby at the moment. Are oh, you? So, Kingstown. Yeah. Yeah, we went yeah. to Kingstown the other week, actually, yeah. the Montpellier game, the European Champions yeah. Cup So game. I go over there and alternate up between football. But football was my, my love of life. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a people sport, but you know, it's people, isn't it? Get, get back into it. And, you know, the town of Cheltenham love football. And particularly when it's going well, like it is at the moment. Yes. It, 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 I think it raises the town and it raises everyone in the town. And what have you made? Because what, what, when did you play for Cheltenham Town? Because 83 to 86. 83 to 86. So how, how have you seen that club grow in that time? Because I speak to people right here. You know, people, classically British people are a bit pessimistic. Oh, it can't grow much more because... But then people who are around from that era say, well, it's grown a lot since then. Oh, it has. The ground's, the ground's much, much better. The playing service is fantastic. Mm. I think the whole ethos of the club and the, the structure of the club, the commercial structure of the club is, is much, much better. Um, and, and I think it's one of, those, one of those areas that there is a lot of potential there. Yeah. Um, but I think it's like a lot of these sports clubs... It needs cash. 
Yes, it needs injection of cash, and some people say, "Well, it's the third, it's the third sport in this area behind yeah. Gloucester Rugby and, and National Hunt." Which is peculiar in the context of the country, because people said that to people in you know London or the Midlands, they'd yeah. be like, "What? <laughs> Those sports are bigger than, uh, yeah. than football?" But yeah. in this particular part of the world, it is. It is, but there's still that love of football around here. Yeah, uh, and the structure within the club, I think, is very, very good. Yes, um, have, you sp- have you spent any time with Michael Duff, the manager? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, met, met Mike right at the outset. Uh, nice chap, very mm. nice chap. Because it's an inspi- yeah. I think it's an inspirational thing for the players there and everyone to have someone who's who played in all eight levels of football ascending to the Premier League and, and now to have come back to Cheltenham. It is, and, and a young manager like him, I like his football. Yeah. Um, and I was quite pleasantly surprised when I went back to Cheltenham. You know, bear in mind they're in League Two. Actually, they're playing some quality football. Yes. Um, yeah, he said he had to sort of make ends meet the first season to yeah. survive and then he's he's tried to instill it this year. And I think there's a bit of to and fro. They had a, a tricky run because they're... He said that clubs are trying to find them out a little bit and then yeah. they start, you have to try and counteract that. You do, yeah. yeah. But it, it, he sticks to his beliefs, which is mm. great. Um, and, he, and he still plays football and it's nice to watch. Yes. You know, it's entertaining, you know. And, you know, we all want to be entertained because it's, it's usually that outlet, isn't it? We go, yeah. we go to football because <laughs> we want that outlet. We want to be entertained. And if, if they've, they've been fully supportive, have they? This year has been the Holly Gazard National yeah, Trust. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And, you know, the game against Lake Norient... Um, it's going to be um, hopefully a, a really good day for the whole whole of whole of the town. Yeah, know? Saturday fifteenth of February, going to have special bespoke kits for the yeah, day that will be auctioned yeah, off. Yeah, there's there's a special kit that's been um, designed by Aria, which will be available that you can buy as well. But all the kit that the players wear will be signed and be auctioned off for the trust. I've got a hunch because you came into it and you, you're amazed by our Draper family portrait because it's mostly pinks and purples. Yeah. And it turns out that's the, the, the Holly Gazard trust. It is, is yeah. the, the same colours as well. That was her favourite colours. It was, yeah. So I've got an inkling. Is it going to be a pink and purple kit? or? Um, <laughs> it's, it's a so white... It depends on the away kit, doesn't it, I suppose? Well, well, Leighton Orient wear red. So, they do, uh, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's, it's a white kit yeah. with very faint pink and purple in it. Ah, uh, lovely. Which is, it looks really, really nice. Nice. Yeah. Oh, that would be brilliant. Yeah, so we're looking forward to that. And we're doing a few things on the day as well yeah. at, the, at the ground. My daughter likes a kit. She got a Cheltenham away shirt and she got a Man United home shirt. And the full, she, she prefers to have the full kit. She likes to wear the full uniform. But as soon as you get her out to the football pitch, she's like, Daddy, can we go in now? And it's like, come on. She, she loves the uniform. Yeah. So I've got, I've got to that stage of liking the kit. But it's, it's, a, big, uh, it's a big draw. But that should be a, a special day on that day as well, around Wadden Road, around the stadium, the Johnny Rock Stadium. You're going to have outlets for information for people we are within um within the club itself we're going to have some stores and some stands that people can come to and talk to us and mm. and to get some information but we're also going to liaise with late Norrin fans because yeah. i don't know whether you remember the first game of the season we were up there when just never passed away passed yeah. away yeah. So, and there was a big thing with Cheltenham yeah. at that stage so we're going to try and um with the 1887 army they're going to try and get that again so for health awareness because he died suddenly didn't he Which, he did yeah. yeah he did absolutely as a yeah. young young man presumably he thought healthy from playing football as well oh, yeah yeah it's always surprising when someone like that who's healthy fit um, dies young mm. uh, and it was such a shock um, yeah. because he's done such a great job there um, so hopefully you know we're going to get in contact with Lake Norrent as well and get their fans involved in the day and, and you know I'd love it to be a fun day. Yes. Yeah. Cheltenham and, win, yeah. but let's have a fun day because that's what Hollywood's is all your, about. Is your wife and sister, my, your wife and daughter? Sorry, yeah, yeah my wife, my, my daughter might be, but she finds it very difficult sometimes to, yeah, to handle it. Um, I'd imagine. But my, my wife will be there uh, and would we'll, we'll do a lot of work around the ground at the same time. Do, yeah. do you find that women, because obviously you're spearheading this, but as a man, do they find it easier to speak to other women when in these situations, do you think, when they come and ask for advice? No, no, no. not at all. No? No. no. Um, we do a lot of work. Um, people come up to me all the time. Women come yeah. up to me and say, can I, can I talk to you? Yes, of course you can. I'm here. I suppose it helps sometimes for a man to sort of almost explain not both sides of it because we've never done anything like that, but you can sort of just give a perspective, can't you? But it, they can, it can, but I also think they, they can see what you've been through. Yes. And therefore you can empathise with them. Mm. Uh, you can perhaps understand where they're coming from. You as care, well. yeah. Um, because you've had that background, you know, it's, you've not learned it from a textbook. You've yeah. actually been through it, you've lived and breathed it. So actually what you're going to get is someone who understands mm. what they're going through. And you, it's f- phenomenal through all this that you, you emphasise smiling. And I've read interviews with you and you say it's something that Holly did, she was known for was the smile. Is that the message through all of this in terms of life lessons is is to, to try and enjoy this thing? While yeah, we're absolutely. Life's too short, isn't it? It was short for Holly, but yeah. short for us all at the end of the day. Yeah. And we've got to enjoy life, you know. I'd hate for the next 20 years for me to be sat in a corner 
um, moping mm. because you know that's not me. And I don't, no, you know, that would annoy her, wouldn't it? I think, it it would do. Saying. She'd be kicking me at the backside, <laughs> saying, get, "Get out there and do something, Dad." So to me, it's about going out there, enjoying it, but actually getting that message across. Yes, that actually we can enjoy life. You can enjoy life. You can do what you want to do. Mm. And you can wear what you want to wear. You can go where you want to go, but just be a bit careful. There are other people around. Be yourself, but be aware of others. Yeah, that's right. So let's not take the fun away from life, but let's make sure that people have that awareness that not everyone is the same. Mm. And keep an eye out for each other, I suppose. Keep keep communities, keep friendships. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Go out in pairs, go out in threes, you know, enjoy your friends, get a good network of friends, but talk to your friends as well. Don't isolate. Well, Nick, I really appreciate you coming over. And we, I'm hopefully get you on Sky Sports News as well in the next couple of weeks. Definitely, that will that will happen soon, and, and spread this message as far as wide as we can. One thing we should ask is about the, the website and the app. Where yeah, where the web, found. our website is um, hollygard.org. Mm. Uh, sorry, hollygazard.org, uh, and there's lots of information on there about um, what we do and the workshops within the training programs that we run. Um, but the personal safety app is hollygard.com, um, and that. Is an area whereby it tells you all about the app. And is that G U A R D? G U A R D. Yeah, yeah Holly Guard. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and you can go there and you can it will give you information about the app. And then you can go and download the app. Okay. Um, we're actually bringing out a version two of Holly Guard at the beginning of April with some some additional functionality as well. So we're going to improve it. Okay, uh, which is great. Fantastic. And who who helped design that and make that? So there's a company in London called Panic Guard. Who, yeah, who did it? Um, uh, and they're they're a specialist in that area. Um, in fact, it's been so successful, we've had to stop it being downloaded outside the UK oh. because, you know, we pay for it and the more, more, it's, the more <laughs> it's used, the more we pay. Oh, really? And we don't want to bankrupt ourselves at the moment. No. But, so we're, we're putting together some business models to try and make it sustainable long-term. So Partner that, with so people. That, yeah, and trying to get income in, but make sure that it's still free for vulnerable people that need it. Yes. And But maybe corporates and other people that want an enhanced service can pay for it as well. 50, um, yeah. But, you know, even this morning, someone came We've through... We've had 100,000 downloads, haven't 100,000, yeah. Someone came yeah. through this morning from Australia saying... My app store is not showing the Holly Guard. It, when's it going to be available again? Ah. And someone in Switzerland saying we're an expats community. You know, we use it a lot. Yeah. And other people on it, but we can't get access to it. When so is it mainly English speaking countries that they, they go um, through? It or... In the main, yeah. But it, yeah. It, it, it's it's available in eleven languages, so it's multi it's multi language uh, app. But um, yeah, so it's amazing how it's gone worldwide as well. well good um, for you. you. It sounds like you're saving people every day. It's amazing. Yeah, and, and that's the ultimate aim really is to help people and save people to be able to enjoy life. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. It's inspiring because, as I say, I can't imagine the raft of emotions that I go through. The fact that you, you haven't felt any anger, that's, that's incredible. But really appreciate you coming today. Yeah, you're very welcome. Just a quick fight. Did people call you Gaza when you were playing? Yeah. Yeah. So you were Gaza before Gaza. I was original Gaza. Yeah. Because, and it was interesting. When I, when I, and I finished playing when I was 22 because I snapped on my cruciates. Yeah. Um, oh, man. So that's why, wow. And that's, that's why I finished playing. And I did 17 years with the Gloucester FA looking after all the youth sites. So that's why you uh, stepped away from football for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, I did, a, I did an interview with the local paper back in 84, 85. And I still got the front page of it now and it says the original Gaza. <laughs> really? So after he came, when Gaza came to the yeah, floor, Paul yeah, Gascoigne? Yeah, yeah. Oh, brilliant. And what position did you play? I was striker. Were you? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. That yeah. must still, does that still rankle you being playing the cruciates? Or yeah, just, uh, yeah, yeah, it does. But hey, that's life at the end yeah. of the day. You know, yeah. and the way I look back on that is... Similar the way I looked back on Holly, I had um, three years at Cheltenham, three great years. Yes, three years more than a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. And therefore, I'm really playing elite level that. football. Yeah, which yeah, is so. So that that was good. Three yeah. more than me. I think that's still the dream. But I yeah. uh, appreciate it, Nick Gazard. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Cheers, mate. Lovely.